Please turn in, the, in your Bible to Ezra chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 8 through 16 this morning. While you're turning, how many of you have ever been in a difficult situation and thought to yourself, I just wish they would leave me alone? Have you ever been there? Right? We go through, we go through things in our life and difficulties and it seems like people are pressing in. And there's moments when we're alone, we're thinking to ourselves, I just wish they would leave me alone. And it seems like the, the harassment and the difficulty just continues. And so, well, I want to uh, speak to you on the subject this morning that we face a determined enemy. And the enemy is going to work through people. And we are going to look at that this morning. We've been, we've been working our way through Ezra. And last week we found that those who had returned came back to build the temple. And these people had come in and they were opposing them. And they wrote a letter to the king. And today we get to read a little bit about that. And we're going to read the letter itself. And so this is going to be an interesting uh, journey back into the time and uh, what Ezra was dealing with. We're going to begin in verse 8. Rahum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, who wrote the letter to Jerusalem to King Artaxerxes as follows. Then wrote Rahum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, to, and the rest of their colleagues, the judges, the lesser governors, the officials, the secretaries, the men of Erech, the Babylonians, the men of Susa, that is the Elamites, and the rest of the nations which the great and honorable Anaspar deported and settled in the city of Samaria. And in the rest of the region beyond the river, now this is the copy of the letter which they sent to him. To King Artaxerxes, your servants, the men in the region beyond the river and now, let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding the rebellious and evil city and are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now let it be known to the king that if, the, that, if that city is rebuilt, and the walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, customer toll, and it will damage the revenue of the kings. Now because we are in the service of the palace, and it is not fitting for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore we have sent, therefore we have sent the, and informed the king, so that a search may be made, and in the record, in the record books of your fathers, and you will discover in the record books and learn that the city is a rebellious city and damaging the kings and provinces, and that they've incited revolt within it in past days. Therefore, that city was laid waste. We inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and the walls finished, as a result, you will have no possession in the province beyond the river. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the insight that you give us. And Father, as, as we build, 
as we stretch out our hands in alignment with you, we know that the enemy too will come against us. And I pray and ask that you'll give us insight, that you'll speak to each one of us, that Father will learn today from your word. And most importantly, that we'll know you better. And I thank you for this opportunity we have to travel together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as we take a look at our determined enemy, we're going to learn that he tries to draw others in. And we're also going to learn his methods of deception. He begins by trying to bring other people in. You know, there's, there's this whole thing of, well, us 15 people have decided this. And it was really one behind it and 14 others who followed that one. And so it has, when you don't have a voice, when what you're saying isn't true, when it's not founded in, in factual basis or in God's word, the more people you can get on there has it as this idea of lending credibility, although albeit false credibility, to what you have to say. And they do that very here. They write a letter against uh, Jerusalem and send it to Artaxerxes to stop them from building the temple. They wanted it stopped. Now, the interesting thing is he references the walls. See, the walls have not been referenced up until this point. And we've often heard that uh, uh, Nehemiah went back to rebuild the walls that Ezra couldn't get done. But the fact is, Ezra was not commanded to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He was commanded to rebuild the temple. And when you, if you forge away from what God has called you to, that'll never work in your life. I promise you that. And so here he is. They're bringing this idea of the walls up when we've not had any conversation about the walls up to this time. Is it a true statement? Is it not a true statement? We don't have enough information to know that, but we know that there's no record here up until this point of that. And so if the king were to pull the permission, it would stop the, the, the construction and leave Jerusalem without a temple. And so that's what they're after. Because remember, they tried to come in alongside them. They said, we're your friends. We want to come build with you. And they said, no, you don't serve the same God as us. We'll build the temple to our God. We don't need any help from you. And then they tried to oppose them. They tried these other things. And the last thing they did was they wrote a letter to the king trying to pull their permission. And so because of that, we end up with what is happening here with them trying to go above their head. But Rahul and Shemshai didn't stop with just writing to the king. They went and got other people. They also wrote letters to their colleagues, judges, other governors and officials, secretaries, the men of Eric, the men uh, the Babylonians, the men of Susa, the Elamites, the Sumerians, and others in the region. And so here they're trying to plead their case and trying to get everybody on board, trying to move this, the heart of this king. And so was what they were saying true? No, it wasn't true. Now, I want you to think about this. They claim, and we're, uh, it's probably in here, but they claim that the city had been a rebellious city. Well, how long had Israel been out of the city? 70 years, right? Because they're coming back from being carried away. So that was another group of people entirely. That was like when um, 
When Jonah, y'all remember Jonah? Y'all ever heard of Jonah? Jonah went to where? Nineveh? Via the boat fish trip? He went and they all repented. And yet we have another book preaching to Nineveh to repent after they repented. Why is that? The books are 120 years apart. A different group of people. Same thing happening here. These people are different people. So what they want to do is reach into the past and tie that city being rebuilt and what happened there in the past to today. Listen, I want you to know something. Your past does not determine your future. The past does not determine your future. God and our ability and our, des our decision to obey Him is what determines our future. That and that alone. And so what they do, they wanted to stir others up to make it seem like they weren't the only ones seeing it. Listen, <laughs> when, you hear, when you plant something in someone's mind, they start to see it. It's like a poison. How many of you ever had a Krispy Kreme donut? And all the people said, how many of you thought of Krispy Kreme donuts until I said it? How many of you thought of a pictured one after I said it? <laughs> I'm getting in trouble in the back. Did I just put something in your mind? Yeah. You saw it after I said it. You saw it after I said it. Well, that happens with many things. <laughs> Barbecue. <laughs> barbecue, anybody like barbecue? Oh, yeah. Y'all have a, does everybody have a favorite barbecue restaurant? Rudy's. Anybody, do you have a, yes, okay. What about if I use the word playground? Y'all remember swing sets? When we were kids, anybody ever swing on swing sets and try to launch yourself off the swing as high as you could go? I'm surprised they haven't put swing set swing retarders in for the children today because they're afraid they're going to get hurt. Right? Man, we did all kind of crazy stuff. After a while, if you have it for a while, your goal is to kind of break it. But <laughs> doing something too much. But anybody thought of a, a swing set or a playground? When, you know, when I, so when you tell somebody something and when you say something to other people, they have a tendency to start seeing it. And that's what was happening here. They said, well, let me share this with there. And let me share this. Let's get a movement together. And they all started, because they all had their own fears, because the story of the Jews and how they conquered people and the land that was given to them is, was fresh and it was there and everybody knew about it. That's before Google existed. They knew. And so they're playing to this fear and trying to create a revolt against the temple. And I want you to know something. This is how the enemy works in churches too. This is how the enemy works. Well, somebody will make a come. Did you see that pastor? He died in fear today. Whatever. All this bread, I promise you, is not dyed in. It's natural. 
Somebody will say something and he'll plant these seeds of discord. Let me tell you something. The enemy is very subtle. He'll tie it to something positive even. And try and come in and destroy what God is doing. Why are we going through this? Because anytime you build for God, anytime that you're in the process of going through this path of restoration, of building, the enemy is going to try to destroy. And these are some of the things that he does. And so we have to be careful that we're not a seed planter. Because remember, now we've talked about this in the past, but in the garden, there were two trees, right? You're like, where is he going? Just stay with me for just a minute. In the garden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the... <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil, right? Yeah. And when you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, that day you die. And if you eat of the tree of life, you live. Life here, no life here. So why is there no life in the tree of the knowledge of evil? That's not what the tree is. It's not the tree of the knowledge of evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because both of those will lead you away from life. Evil will lead you into um, all the things we would call as sin. But why would good lead us away from the tree of life? Because the tree of the, or the good causes self-righteousness. I have the knowledge of doing good. I'm doing good. I'm good. I'm okay. I don't need life. I'm good. The day you eat of that tree, you will die. And so the enemy will use both of those tactics, both of those things. What did he entice her with to eat of that tree? Something evil or something good? He, isn't that funny? Well, God knows you won't die the day you eat of it. You'll be like him, which was a lie. Because she was already like him, right? So he lied about who she was. You'll be like him, knowing good and evil. And then he lied about what that knowledge was. Having the knowledge of that meant that you were like God. And so she thought she was doing something to be like God. And she was sinning. I wonder how often we do things to be like God out of self-effort that doesn't glorify God. See, and I think there's a reason he tells us that God... <laughs> prefers obedience to sacrifice. And there's a reason for that. And so be careful, even if it's meant for good, be sure that God's led you to it and follow Him. And so they try to draw others in, but then we see their letter in the, in the levels of deception that they play. So I want you to see this because the enemy is behind this. This is not just people doing their thing. The Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in high places. And so don't put your eyes on a person if you're wrestling. Understand the enemy is at work. And they go and they write this letter. And we're going to see this level of deception that they lay out. So we're going to walk through the letter and see what they're up to. They begin by categorizing themselves as your servants. 
So they feign loyalty to the king. Well, we're your servants. Please hear us. We're in this with you. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what they told Jerusalem, the, the Jews? We're in this with you. We want to come build with you. But see, the Jews had discernment, and they understood that they weren't with them. Where the king doesn't have that same insight. And so he says, we're your servants. They feign loyalty, but the fact is, the fact was that Jerusalem also served the king. Jerusalem, they were in service to the king at that time. They recategorized the purpose of Israel's work. They categorized it as rebellion. Not just rebuilding the temple. Well, they're planning to rebel. It wasn't true. But they tied it to the activity that was going on so the king would see everything that they did and see it as rebellion. Remember the planting of the idea? And that's what was going on. So beware. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we are told to take every thought captivity to Christ. Because the enemy will war in your mind and try and lead you away either into evil or into self-righteous things that have nothing to do about the life of God being in you and through you. That's where John 15 comes in about abiding in the vine. If we're not abiding in the vine, there ain't no life in us. Well, that sounds like a works maintenance salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a walk. Having your walk aligning with God. So many people want to tell you, and churches today, have. it seems like they've been created to help you manage your sin. Have you ever noticed that? Listen, didn't Jesus deal with all of our sin on the cross? So why are we still managing something that Jesus overcame? And he said, in him, we are also overcomers. We have been set free. And yet we want to sit there and believe the lie that, oh, we're still trapped. But then why do I still struggle? That's a great question. We're talking about that in my class earlier. But why we still struggle with sin? I'm glad you asked. We may go a line at a time in our class, but we're going to get there. and We're going to understand what we're doing. The bottom line to why you still sin is you still have a fallen flesh, not a fallen nature. You have a flesh that you're dealing with. And your flesh will cry out for things that are not of God. And so he recategorizes their work. Then they lied about the future, stating that if the walls are built, that Israel would not pay tribute, custom, or toll. How could they possibly know what Israel was going to do in the future? How could they possibly know? And how could the king swallow that argument without any evidence, without any information? They're make, what they're doing is they're playing to the king's fear. They're playing to him. Remember, this is the son. So he's younger. So they lied about that. 
They made it personal to the king. It would damage the king's revenue. You won't be rich no more. You won't have all the money. They appeal to financial. Well, they're going to keep your money. And so they're hitting him in every way they can possibly hit him. Trying to get what they want out of him. <coughs> have you ever found, uh, you don't answer this, but have you ever found yourself in an argument trying to convince somebody to do something? And going, and this, and this, and this, and then that, and then that. Trying to make your case. If we stand for what's right, because it's right, because God said it. That is enough. He tells us, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We don't have to swear on somebody when we're standing on the truth. Because the truth is always the truth. If I miss a step up here, I will fall down. Every time I miss it. We've been waiting for that to happen for a long time. <laughs> Somebody's praying for him. It's probably Stephen. And all of you. And it will hurt. I found that out this week. I was helping somebody with something. I left an impact drill on the top of the ladder. I went down my eight foot ladder. And found out at the bottom that gravity still functions. When it hit me in the forehead. Coming down after me. Had a momentary lapse of emotion. <laughs> but I remembered an important truth. You don't leave anything on top of the ladder when you're moving it. Because gravity's still in effect. Yeah, that was fun. So they make it personal. They feign their loyalty again, stating that we're loyal to you so... So we couldn't keep quiet. We, the reason we're even bringing this to you is because of our loyalty. We just can't help it. And so they're gushing on him again. You know, this was meant to mask the real reason of the letter. They weren't loyal. You know what they were doing? They were using him to get done what they wanted done. They're trying to use the king. And the king could have seen it or not seen it. So then they go on and they tell him to check the records about the city and how it rebels and how it was how it was rebellious to the king. Remember the events in the books? They're over 70 years ago. They're over 70 years ago. With a totally different people trying to apply it to these people. Again, false evidence trying tying the behavior of a, of a city. To all who live there. Listen. <laughs> they categorized and labeled people. Man that. You talk about stuff being done today. To shut the mouths of Christians. And it's working. We're afraid of being. Labeled as narrow minded. Unintelligent. Because we say we follow Jesus Christ. That we don't share. Have you ever had that apprehension to share? Well, if I share, or they're gonna they're gonna make fun of me, or they're gonna call me something, or 
I'm not going to be included. And we sit there quietly with the greatest gift of the world that God has ever given anyone, and that's the, the death and or the death and life of his son. Transformation from within. And we sit there quietly. You know, I've often wondered, and this is just me, it doesn't say, this is just the thing that I've wondered. You know, it says when we've been in heaven that God will wipe away every tear. I wonder if that's some of the tears that I'm going to shed, that God will have to wipe away. It's the times I didn't share. I've just wondered that. I'm not saying it says that, but I've wondered that. Because here's the thing, folks. We live in a world that's doing this very thing. They're labeling people. They're putting tags on. on. We're, they're trying to divide everybody in every way possible. Instead of saying we're one united in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we're, we're black, brown, polka-dotted, green. I don't care. Jesus saves from the heart, ladies and gentlemen. The heart is what matters. In this world, just wants to cat, they just want to stamp everybody, and they market to us as groups. They even market to us as evangelicals. And you hear it come around every time we're in an election year. How I stand for this, but then I vote another way. Let me tell you something. Should you vote? Yes. Let me tell you how to vote. You vote this book. You vote what Jesus has said. That's our responsibility as salt and light. That's what we stand for. This is what matters. Ask them, where do you stand on the Bible? Why don't we ask them, what does the Bible say about that? That's where I align everything in my life with this book. If it don't align with the book, then, I'm, then I have a misalignment. <clears throat> and so make your decisions using this filter and discernment. And so they tell them to check these records, false evidence, they categorize and label people. Well, this, it's always, they're always like, that's like saying everybody in the city of Austin is weird. Now I know that's not a far stretch. That may be a bad example. But everybody in this city isn't weird. There's some amazing, interesting people in this city. I love discovering the story of people's lives, their passions and the things that they love. That's part of the journey of seeing what God is doing within and through them. It's part of your ministry shape. And so now they tell the king, they move on and they tell the king that the people are revolting. The Jews revolted against them because they wanted to destroy their work. That's the only revolt that happened. Well, they're revolting. Well, they revolted against you because you wanted to come in and destroy what God had called them to. So because they didn't agree with you, now they're revolting. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, we're loyal to you. We're your servants. We couldn't help ourselves. We had to come tell you. We just, I just... I couldn't, we just couldn't stop ourselves because we care so much about you. You ever had anybody approach you like that? 
I care so much about you. I just had to come tell you. Beware. You know, there's a verse in, uh, I think it's in Proverbs. It says, in the multitude of words, sin wanteth not. So when somebody's got to explain and explain and explain and they got all this volume, they're usually covering because their position is unfounded. You want, a, you want an issue of discernment? Use that. You want an issue of discernment for your life when you catch yourself doing that? Maybe you're not where you need to be. And so here they are. The people are, yeah, they revolt against them. It's misleading at best. And a direct lie at worst. And so they, then they continue to strike at the king's fear. If you don't stop, you don't stop it, you're going to be cut off from the province of, uh, across the river. You're going to be cut off. You're going to be... No king in that day wanted their province to be smaller. That was seen as failure. You weren't a conquering king. I'm the king. And so he, they're playing to those fears of him again. They claim false consequences for inaction. They're building a temple. <laughs> they're not building an army. So they're trying to manipulate him and doing what they want. They want to manipulate the king. That's what they were up to. Is this, is this leather meant to be believed on its face? Should it be believed on its face? No. No, because what they were saying wasn't true. It's an accurate record of what they said, but it wasn't true of what was going on in Israel. And so there's a difference. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we face a determined enemy. Look at what he's, look at what he's doing here. Was, was Israel in the doing the will of God, yes or no? Yes. Yes. That's not a difficult <clears throat> question. No trick question. Now, I tell you, I tell you if I'm going to ask you a trick question. No, they were in the center of God's will, doing what God wanted. And here, these people have come against them, against them in multiple ways. Now they're getting other people. And you know what? When we face those things, we go, well, how could God let that happen? You ever ask that question? How could God let that happen? When God gave us free will, he gave us the ability to choose him or not choose him. And you're going to run into people in this world who have not chosen him. And the darkness hates the light. If it sees the light. And so the world should not embrace us. The world stands for everything against what we stand for. Now, I'm not talking about people because people matter. They matter to God so much that he sent his son to die for them. And they matter to us. And we're to go to them. We're to give them hope. We're to minister to them. 
or to crawl in the ditch with them and crawl out? I'll never forget what Brandon told me. He said, if Mark had 500 sins, and I said, only 500? <laughs> he said, if Mark had 500 sins, my job is to crawl in the ditch with him and walk out to now where he's got 499. That's what we're called to. We're called into a relationship with him and with each other. And folks, when we serve God, the enemy is going to try to destroy us. And he's been pretty good at studying people for 6,000 years. He knows our buttons. We have them. You all have them. I have them. He knows what to push to make me discouraged. Remember, that's where they started after they couldn't infiltrate. They went to discouragement. Well, if I can't get inside, then I'm going to discourage from the outside. Lord, just everything we do just seems to end in failure. Why is it so hard to get these walls built? Why are we facing so much trouble? The reason we face difficulty in this world is because this world is still falling, ladies and gentlemen. It is not God's fault. It's a decision made in the garden that was passed on to us. That's why things are falling apart. And so we face a determined enemy. So what do we do about that? We need to beware of being recruited by disgruntled people. Beware of being recruited by disgruntled people. Whether at church or at work or wherever it is. Because you will pick up that label. There's disgruntled people every in every everywhere I've ever worked has had disgruntled people. Anybody worked somewhere where somebody's like complaining and, and murmuring? You know, it's funny how murmuring sounds like the word murmur. Have you ever noticed that? And why, when somebody's got a complaint, does it have to be private if it's true? Why do they have to talk to us privately, quietly? You ever notice that? If it's true, stand on it. Don't be a coward. Beware of being recruited by disgruntled people. If approached, direct them to reconcile with the party they're complaining about. Our ministry, ladies and gentlemen, is the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given, God tells us in his word, the ministry of reconciliation. And so if somebody ever tells you that, that I'm not here to reconcile, then I'm not here to listen either. If you're not going to do it God's way, then there's nothing we can do here. Because it ain't going to end well. That means, really, what that means when somebody says, I'm not here to reconcile, that really means I'm not here, I'm not willing to listen to anything you have to say anyway. You just need to listen to me. You know when people tell me that? I say, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. My goal would be to reconcile. And I'll be happy to talk with you and listen when we share the same goal. Otherwise, we're just talking. 
Reconciliation is everything. You, you want, what is the will of God? That's God's will. He's called you to it. We all want to know what the will of God for our life is. He tells us so much in here of what he wants from us and the things that we're supposed to be participating in. We don't need, well, that's not what I mean, Pastor. I mean, what job am I supposed to do? That is our job. You don't understand. <laughs> yes, I do. I have those books on my shelf. I read them. I said that was the most important question to me when I was in my college age. This is the will of God for my life. You remember thinking that when you were younger? Then as you get older, your life is like gone like that. Y'all remember when you were like 15 and 16? It seems like yesterday, right? Yeah. Is it just me who flew by? I mean, I had this, all this stuff planned for my life, and all of a sudden I turned 50. 50 was old. Y'all remember when 50 was old? How many of you 50 is young? These are all your over 50s. <laughs> oh, except for a couple. <laughs> but beware of being, being recruited by disgruntled people. Be discerning. Be discerning. Take the facts into consideration as you pray through it. Not everything is as innocent as it may seem. Be discerning. Where does this lead? Where are we headed with this? God, does this match with your word? What is going on? Because sometimes things appear innocent. King, we're here because we love you. We care about you. When you're having to feign that, if he doesn't already know that, think about this. If he already knew that, why are they telling him? So they had to tell him because he didn't already know it. So they had, he hadn't experienced it from their life. Otherwise, they say, well, we, you know, let's just write to our buddy the king. Little discernment there. Three. The stuff we're going through now is not new. So if you face stuff at work, you ever have people talk about you behind your back? Remember that in school? Call you names? And you think, man, I can't wait to get out of school because that doesn't happen when you're an adult. <laughs> Anybody ever believe that lie? <laughs> Yes, it does. Sorry, all the high school kids are like, oh, no. It does. Because people are people. It's not new. The stuff, a lot of times we feel like we're the only one. You ever feel like that? You're like, man, everybody else seems to have a great but me. Everybody else is perfect. We drive through these neighborhoods and go, wow, they have the perfect life. And we have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I want to tell you this. Everybody's broken. Everybody's hurting. The enemy wants you to think it's only you. Good news, it ain't only you. If you think it's only you, it's me too. So it's not only you. I'll tell you firsthand. I don't always get it right. I don't always say it right. I want you to start on Terry. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, Terry's my wife. <laughs> and she's not in here right now. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but we know everybody's broken. That's why we need a savior, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we need Jesus Christ. 
And the moment we think we've got it all together, that's the moment it's about to fall apart. Because we become confident in ourselves instead of standing upon the rock. And so next week, the beauty of next week is we get to see the king's response to this letter. Some of y'all are going to read ahead. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Listen. This reporter was reading this story this week, and this reporter was sitting with a man on his 100th birthday. And he asked the man, he said, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? And to his surprise, this guy who's 100 years old says to him, he says, I don't have an enemy in the world. And the reporter was shocked. He's like, how could you have lived 100 years and not have any enemies? And he asked him. And the guy smiles. And he says this. He says, well, let me tell you. I've outlived them all. <laughs> But the good news is this, that even though we have an enemy, Jesus has overcome him. And so because he overcame him, we overcome as well. And when we walk in Christ, and when we listen, and when we pay attention, and we're sensitive and being led by him, God uses us in, in amazing ways. Amazing ways. And you know, you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. You never know who's overhearing your comments. I can't tell you how many overheard comments God has sown into my heart. And so, it's not just everybody else, it's you too. It's you too. Let us everybody bow their head and close their eyes.